I'm just going to record this first bit. You can see if it's any good or not, and I will continue if it is. I felt power fade from me. It was odd. The man lay below me, beaten. <laughs> Poor sod. This may be rem reminiscent of a rhyme, but this city was full of venomous filth, committing crime. I lay off the scotch for a second, turn on my TV. My daughter's chained to my knee. I'm king, I think, as the door swang closed. I saw the white metal mask of death and I froze. Blue eyes stared at me, ice like daggers of sapphire. Fear-induced sweat caused me to perspire. The mask faded back into the shadows. I frantically reach for my gun, I keep by the sofa. I'll not be in the gallows. It's gone. Did I hallucinate? My daughter points above me, as she should. I won't congratulate. I aim the rifle, but I'm too slow. As I aim, the figure's shadow glow. It drops beside me, as I shake. As the sparsely furnished, wooden apartment quake. The flat becomes engulfed with shadows that reach to me. My eyes widen because of what the shadows have done, you see. I'm strapped to the floor, pressed against my will. As the shadow-like hands reach to take my frill, the figure, the figure laughs, enjoy your medicine, as I'm impregnated by something of sin. Chapter 1. Curses and Blessings The man sat in a white room, his suit likewise white, luminescent under city neon light. Ricard had wiped his short blonde hair, as he said, Tell me again, Lisa, why it's not fair. A toothy grin spread from his face. Hungry and predatory, he drew wine and had a taste. I begged you not to do this. Perhaps you begged one too many times, he hissed. He looked around the room. Observation was a key point of his focus. He thought about biblical metaphors, plagues of locusts. But then he decided something simple to make sure she knew he was smarter. Your company is mine, and that's just a starter. He smiled again, going in for the kill. I have it all. Leave, or you'll be forced to. Enjoy the streets. I hope you like this pill. I'm, I'm sorry I cheered, but this is unfair, Ricard. The man's stare was placid, vacant, and yet hard. The chandelier hung just above the ceiling, as Ricard felt power watching his ex kneeling. Maybe he would try to fuck her one last time, see if she would submit to redeem her crime. Then the notion made him grow bored. He waved at the security and cut the cord. Ricard monologue. I made my millions fairly, by catching unwitting fools in my snare, you see. Those that were righteously punished had for the most part been left astonished. My white suit pressed up against my skin as I looked out my penthouse window into a city the urchin, you see, could win.
Five years ago, I left my brother dying in an alley. He tried to change his path in which we were set. He vowed no matter what happened, the city would never be mine, and so we made a bet. If he was wrong, he and his family would live. Unfortunately, the message was delivered in a bullet, a little present I'd give. It seems he could not understand it. So his child had killed him, that I writ. To him and his flesh and blood, the only obstacles in my path gone. I began this path through the light of the city and knew it would be long. Chapter 2 The girl all grown up had moved into the city street. Knowing she'd been forced to kill her father made her heart retreat. The poison she's doused into her scent would make any man violently loyal so she could vent. She'd never had a boyfriend. She had many. Pheromonic effect. Yet when they found out about one each other, both would die. She had not kept any. Watching one man kill another in her name caused her to think back upon her guilt and her shame. They were all the same, like her she thought, guilty, and when given the choice they'd shoot their family too for naught. She'd never blamed Ricard. She drove it inwards, working the pole dancing club, Ringwoods. Outside the club, enjoying Benny's bloody lips, watching her and Tyrone fight, she felt her heart do flips. The euphoria of having someone love her madly again drove through her ecstasy with a douse of pain. She was repeating the scene of her father over and over. These pheromones shortened her lifespan, but were the scent of clover. Tyrone had lorded over Benny. Don't go near my girl. Benny had lay upon the ground as his fists curl. He pulled out a knife. I'll teach you to fuck my wife! A smile began to form over red lips. Benny stood with the knife he grips. He turns, hearing the tears in his eyes. You said you loved me. It was all lies. He takes the knife to his throat. The girl named Ruby sit, tried not to gloat. Love is a loser's game, toy. Her words had rattled Benny the boy. She didn't even watch him die. She just left entered the club with Tyrone the Victor, who was not shy. Chapter 3. Light in Slums The Landstar Industries factory stood imposing its will over the slum. The child workers were led by overseers up the pathway as machines hum. 
Kalpheta the future maiden of war worked to feed her brothers and more her mom had recently gotten worse polymyositis had her unable to move Kalpheta had gotten stronger supporting her family she could prove she began lifting heavy metal beams with the other kids over to drop off points she to skids until one day a date of fates a crane dropped a beam it hit her spine and she screamed she couldn't move at all she tried and failed to support her family she'd been a fool they filed for negligence against lanstar industries boss ricard fuller but the case was thrown out none would help her dala the term used to describe kalit slum dwellers in the day kalpheta had given in the world her it had betrayed until an elderly man walked in he was of lemty's descent and the two would make a silver suit that allowed the user to walk and spin it would be 6 years relentlessly upgrading the suit but eventually their effort bore fruit propulsion technology that allowed her to fly propulsion technology that could knock a man out they would not die all life was precious kalpheta had repeatedly said it would be her choice not to see innocent nor guilty bled chapter 2 take flight war maiden had laid down as the elderly man kraus went to work about town Kraus had a scar over his eye. A long black ponytail Kalpheta used to joke he'd made people cry. Though in truth he was handsome in his younger days, but age crept up and fighting left him disheveled in sun rays. Kalpheta had said get on with it then, acting brave but more nervous than any of the men. As Kraus had needed someone to hold her steady, he had called to his son Uref who was ever ready, though secretly desiring the suit for himself. He had other plans in motion for the old man's health. His son's eyes darkened watching the old man grab his tools. He thought enjoy your last operation fools. As he held Kalpheta down, he smiled it was effortless not to frown. He said everything will be okay. As the old man grabbed a sharp knife and clean tray, the suit you see would be grafted to her body and powered by her brain waves not a simple joby. Kraus had taken a swig of whiskey and then offered some To her a drink he would give you want to dull the pain as it's thrum. Kalpheta had refused vowing to keep her senses. As the knife cut into her nerve endings she wished to revisit past tenses. She howled in the agony of a chorused scream. As walking again she had never thought so painful but it was a dream. She couldn't feel the knife in her spine. Until the neutralizing wire ran through she felt alive. In pain but this she knew she would survive. Blood spitted as servos were attached to her left leg. She had screamed for release she begged. But they were too far in now without the suit she would die. Blood lost the man exclaim and her he deny. He nodded to Uref who hit her over the head. The operation continued she would survive but not see herself bled.
Chapter Three: The Laughing Sky. <laughs> it was dark at the base of the room in which the man sat, waiting, waiting for his doom. They are wrong. I slice the man's throat and carry his face in my tongue. Such delicious conceit. Humans believe they are the top of the food chain. I died. I could no longer retreat. I came back to my city. Back to my home. Delicious beings and a full moon. They would carve the city in two. Even if the mighty Ricard Fuller knew. Back at the makeshift hospital, Wamaden had began to move. Though groggy, she could see the blood and crack like groove. She was still so weak from the operation, though she could walk. She opened her mouth wordlessly to talk. When she saw Kraus on the ground he'd taken a hit from a shotgun round. He merely laughed ironically as he pointed up to his aggressor. It was his son the one he'd had loved and not thought lesser. Kalfeta had been too late to ask why. Though armored she felt the crow knife in her thigh. The assassin had worked for the boy. Though he wasn't around this had been obvious no one else knew of what her father had began to enjoy. The second blow came racing towards her midsection. But Kalfeta seemed to move to counter without correction. Her body had morphed into a weapon she thought as her elbow strike came down. Snapping the assassin's arm he mouthed to frown. But it was too late Kalfeta had spun around with a somersault-like kick. Her armor plates were silver and thick. The blow had sent the man shuddering back. He brought forth an old luger to attack. She laughed you're so desperate now. She gave a low yet mocking bow. As her arm cannon charged she dodged the shot. Bringing her repulsor to bear it was worth more than not. It had sent the assassin spinning back into a wall. He was groggy Kalfeta realized men were so small. She gravimetrically willed herself to fly upwards. She span once again and knocked out the man as he came towards. 